the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a guest who is one of my favorites, near and dear to my heart, Angelus Arian. Angelus has actually been a guest on a previous Leading Conversations show. She was one of our first and um, a true believer, which we are very grateful for, Angelus. <laughs> so we'd like to welcome you to the show this morning. Yes, thank you. My honor and privilege. Angelus is an anthropologist, an educator, and an award-winning author. Angelus, you consult to many organizations and businesses, and your background is anthropology. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, and you've started the Angelus Arian Foundation for Cross-Cultural Education and Research, and we'll talk a bit more about that. You have been a prolific author. Three of your most well-known books, um, The Fourfold Way, Walking the Path of the Warrior, Teacher, Healer, and Visionary, Signs of Life, The Five Universal Shapes and How to Use Them, and your most recent, The Second Half of Life, Opening the Eight Gates of Wisdom. So, you know, you're very busy. (laughs) <laughs> You've always been very busy. <laughs> so, well, I've been very blessed again. to do what I love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here this morning. You know, I am so curious, and I've always been so curious about the role anthropology has played in the work you do in the world. Can you talk a little bit about what? Um, what got you curious about anthropology? Why did you start looking into that area to begin with as a young person? Oh, uh, basically being raised biculturally is, um, really took me into, uh, uh, looking at, um, people from around the world and where we have, uh, similarities and, and differences. And so I was just really fascinated that even though there are different languages and different um, cultural lifestyles, that mm. um, basically people are the same. And <laughs> uh, that uh, they're, uh, you know, they love their work or they love their families. or uh, And so that really took me into um, looking at uh, people more from a cross-cultural uh, perspective and seeing where we have points of unity, even though uh, there are 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 differences that uh, allow for creative problem solving. Hmm. And you grew up in the Basque country in Spain. Is that correct? Am I right about that? Uh, yes, and basically the largest Basque uh, community outside of Spain is in Idaho. In Idaho. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so um, so going back and forth and uh, having families in both worlds uh, 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 has led me to really um, want to explore as many different mm. people and as much diversity as possible. And right. anthropology became the crucible for that. Oh, wow. So when you first... Um, started moving in the world of anthropology. Did you travel the world um, and actually move into or, or work with um, indigenous tribes around the world? Um, basically, I started um, uh, in conflict resolution and um, uh, taking a look at mediation and um, really um, looking at, uh, um, I was exposed to the the World Indigenous Council, uh, which is sponsored by the United Nations, and uh, uh-huh. really taking uh, a look at um, um, perennial wisdoms from cross-cultural, uh, cross-cultural perspectives, comparative religions. That's what I why I went into anthropology because I really uh-huh. wanted to take a look at um, uh, indigenous wisdoms and perennial wisdoms and um, 
comparative religions and also to take a look at uh, conflict resolution as an invitation to problem solving rather than as a, a place of uh, to fear. Hmm. Yeah, that seems to be where we go these days, huh? Yeah. Yeah. From your perspective on what's happening these days in our political realm in the U.S., um, the world is watching very closely. And, you know, we have um, some opportunities as we're looking at potentially um, the first black president for the United States. Um, we certainly had opportunity as Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama um, were the, the first, um, she the first woman, he the first black um, potential nominee for president of the United States. Right. Do you think that, do you think that we are, are reaching a point, uh, maybe a turning point in our history for the U.S. around cult, cross-cultural um, invitation almost? It's like an invitation. Yeah. You think so? I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think it would be really wonderful, uh, the aperture or the opening for uh, that possibility is uh, uh, really there to be uh, seized and taken. Uh, I think there's a, a, a real desire um, uh, to come to a different standard of excellence um, mm-hmm. and uh, um and a place where there's an opening for human uh, maturation to take place here. Hmm. Uh, uh, we've done the polarization thing for centuries, and right. you know how can um, we uh, hold the creative tension between polarities and oppositions and paradoxes, but the same uh, wait for the uh, emerging third uh, option that might be greater than any polarity. And I think that's the exciting thing that's emerging here. Hmm. Uh, well, well, and how can we do that? How well, can we hold those tensions? Well, I think that's uh, that's our work of this time, our is, is how to hold creative attention without moving to premature solution or shutting the door prematurely. Hmm. Uh, and, so what can't... Yeah. And I think there's a real opportunity that somehow uh, um, really allowing uh, for more humanity in leadership uh, hmm. and excellence in leadership rather than uh, perfection. Uh, in perfection, we don't tolerate our humanity or uh, mistakes very well, uh, and and that's rather frightening to think that uh, a leadership without some form of humanity um, uh, leads to disassociation and strategy and domination. And fear, you think that, fear um, tactics. And, and fear tactics. Um, you know, I, I have noticed over the years that some other countries, and specifically um, European countries, tend to do this better than the U.S. They tend to expect well, their leaders to be human. Yeah. Well, any, con- well any country that has faced war, uh, uh, uh-huh. that's a great... Uh, a level leveler in humanization. Uh, you know, any country that has uh, really experienced and faced war is that. Uh, you know, uh, there are certain um, uh, certain things that uh, you see as important, certain things that you don't. Hmm. And. So, specifically, faced war on on their um, their ground and their on earth. their own ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, and is, certainly is, we have through the civil, you know, through the civil war, right. but we haven't had outside uh, right war right, right. Uh, other than you know nine eleven being a, an experience of attack, but uh, on a wide scale. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the 
the uh, people, uh, the generations who have ex- uh, experienced uh, war very deeply on their own land is that their their children uh, are really uh, uh, very protective around uh, not recreating that. Oh, interesting. You know, um, yeah, it makes me think of something that I um, heard Desmond Tutu say a few months ago, um, and it was about women. And he said, women will save the world. And the audience kind of, you know, laughed a little bit. And he turned and faced squarely the audience and said, no, no, women will save the world because they would never send their babies in to be mutilated and killed. And, you know, it struck me so deeply. I thought, wow, you know, there's something to this. I mean, I've heard people say things like that over the years and and never really, I never really understood until I heard that. What do you think about that? Well, we don't want to send our babies, and yet uh, we do. And uh, until there's a, a place where uh, there's a, a virtual standing up to that, we won't allow it. Mm-hmm. And until we stand, whether it's male or female, and say, no, I will not sacrifice my child, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's, it still remains in concept. Right. It does not uh, remain right, in right. in actuality. Right, right. Have you seen um, that exist in any culture? Well, I think there there have been women and children who have stood up in uh, um, Kosovo and Serbia and mm-hmm. Rwanda. Have stood up uh, and they've been killed, but yeah. they, they've stood up. Right, right. So there is big risk, which is what everybody you know, wants and to back down from. And there are places where they've backed down. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've backed down. Uh, you know, at different moments, there are different points uh, where they've backed down. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so you know, it's. The real point of human maturation will be a place where uh, 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 we can move, right? Yeah, where we can move uh, beyond other options than war. Well, we're going to talk more about what some of those other options might be when we come right back. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Speaking with Angelus Arian this morning, anthropologist, educator, and award-winning author. Angelus, before we went to break, we were talking about how um, the world, all of us in the world, um, you know, may be taking steps toward change and maybe looking at um, how to take an opportunity to have the courage to stand up to things we don't want to have happen, i.e. some things like war, and specifically how in the U.S. Um, you, you called it that this may be an opening for human maturation to take place, where there's a yeah. different standard of excellence. Um, so in that, you know, that would mean we don't expect our leaders to be perfect. We expect them to be human, have humanity in their decisions, in the way they look at the world. Um, so and I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, and so what What would um, we as constituents or voters or um, people who are not in the political system um, as a leader, what is our role? What do we need to be doing? Well, I think it's uh, interesting is that there are some real signals of other options that are 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 beginning to open up or or to take place is you know people are galvanizing around homeless or poverty issues or that you see uh, someone uh, uh, you see someone like Warren Buffett uh, and mm-hmm. and the Bill Gates and what they're doing medically and um, for education uh, you know individuals are starting to come uh, come forward uh, that that may have uh, means or that you may find that teens uh, are, are starting in uh, philanthropy uh, uh, now uh, as well, uh, that uh, people are thinking more about how can we close some of our economic divides or, you know, uh, what a different world it would be if, you know, everyone had some form of access to medical care or access to food or access to shelter. And so I think there are openings that are starting to take place where um, uh, basically uh, um, uh, people are galvanizing uh, uh, that it's... you know, it, it becomes a moral issue when our uh, children aren't, don't have a home or uh, mm-hmm. that uh, people don't have shelter or they don't have food or they don't have access to um, medical care or they don't have uh, access to literacy or uh, education uh, uh, so that closing of the divides and especially the points where, uh, you know, uh, 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 tend towards uh, extreme solutions such as, uh, you know, uh, uh, we can say that war might be an extreme solution to handle some of of these issues where, um, but, uh, you know, um, the internet, you know, uh, a place of where people are starting to connect and also where, uh, there's new philanthropies and, and how to galvanize when there, uh, you know, are planetary, uh, issues. Uh, you know, will we galvanize our, our resources to handle a a planetary uh, crisis because we have to, you know. <laughs> uh, right. We have to. Why do we have to wait for that? Uh, yeah. You know, and so I think there are real opportunities um, around environment and poverty and mm-hmm. uh, shelter and uh, that uh, that are already signaling where we need to work right. before we have to go to drastic means to resolve right. problems. You know, I've noticed that you mentioned teens and philanthropy. I've noticed that there's more of this happening. You see, um, we hear stories about um, teenagers who are 
inspired by an issue that they want to do something about. And they take action, and they have parents who support them in taking those actions. And and some of the things they're doing, it's phenomenal, the amount of money they're able to raise, the way they can galvanize um, groups of teenagers and adults to to take action on something. And, you know, we look at that and we think, wow, you know, they're acting like an adult. How did they get so smart? How did they figure this out? Where did this come from in them? Um, Do you think something's happening with the level of maturation of the generation? Well, I think that um, um, what some young people are finding that uh, real meaning is uh, what is universal is everyone wants to make a contribution. Everyone wants to um, be of help and of need. There's no human being Mm. that doesn't want that. And everyone wants to have the experience of not only contribution but um, belonging and everyone uh, wants to have the experience of uh, being valued and loved. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all human needs. And um, I think what's very uh, interesting, because there's a, a juxtaposition, is that uh, that uh, kids are finding more uh, meaning uh, uh, beyond acquisition, uh, that they're finding that they're, how meaningful it is to really make a contribution to uh, to move beyond beyond their own needs and the greater good. The the paradox at the same time is that in this culture, which is the youngest uh, culture in, in in the world and the most diverse culture uh, in the world, we also have the horrific. Um, a statistic of having the highest suicide rate between our teens mm-hmm. and our elders uh, because we haven't really established the um, the generational bridges which every other culture um, um, you know our Asian cultures, African cultures, indigenous cultures, European cultures, uh, very strong intergenerational participation and engagement, and so we're just beginning to to learn that and and the teens that are involved in philanthropy and uh wanting to give back in their uh, communities uh, recognize something very deeply primal about a community as a structure of belonging but also uh in making uh a contribution uh or we have the self-initiated gangs because we have no um parents or mentors entering crucibles in place to pass that on, or we're not calling on the wisdom and the experience of our elders. Hmm. And so, you know, as we... When I think about the baby boomer generation, and because of the large numbers, the baby boomers have had huge influence. And for a long time, the influence was about youth and staying young and staying fit and never getting old, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now as the baby boomers are, you know, continuing to move on in years and um, and for sure doing um, each decade of their lives differently than perhaps their parents or their grandparents did, um, what do you think is... How is that affecting the younger generations coming up? I mean, is that affecting the way, is there actually a bridge back to them, or are we still moving forward without any hindsight, without looking back? No, well, I think it's um, interesting. Uh, The millennials, the younger generation, or the generation that has come out of the boomers, whether it's uh, generation X, Y, and the millenniums, uh, uh, but there's uh, uh, basically a generation uh, that's coming up that um, for many years we had the radio generation, then we had the TV and the film and the visual generation, and now we have uh, what's called the interactive or the internet uh, generation, where on the internet 
next, you have both the audio, the visual, and the kinesthetic or the interactive. Um, so it's a, it's a generation that um, knows how um, uh, uh, to work um, uh, technologically uh, in both hearing, visual, and kinesthetic uh, has all been uh, put together. And as a result, um, wanting uh, to develop more of the face-to-face skills that uh, go with that um, mm. Uh, so that it, uh, knowing that you cannot survive without the face-to-face skills, no matter how uh, great you are uh, in the tech skills uh, and tech skills. And so uh, I find that a very, uh, the millennium's a very interesting generation because they're interested in the both and. They're, they're, right. uh, and that's going to be very uh, exciting, and that's why they're also very interested, I think, in Obama because it is the both and. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that's very fascinating. That probably also contributed to the um, development of the social networking and YouTube, you know, so there's Yeah, connection. right, right, mm-hmm. absolutely. It makes people real. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So what about the corporate world? Um, you know, talk about a place that for years denied humanity, you know, said, look, it's just business, don't take it personally, quote-unquote. And um, for years said, you know, you have to be committed to the organization. Um, You know, how is this new focus going to impact what we've come to term corporate America? Well, I think that... um uh there's a lot that uh i i think that corporate america is also in a in a um a turning point uh uh as well as that they've uh recognized uh the how much of corporate america is starting to go into social entrepreneurship right. and also how for the first time in history we have the triple bottom line you know the social the relational and and the financial uh, um, uh, as the three bottom lines uh, right. uh, which we've never had before so right. uh, I, th- I think that uh, one of the things that uh, uh, oh finding is with the the new generation is that uh, the loyalty will only be there to the extent that the social uh, relevance and creativity is there. Mm-hmm. We have more to talk about with Angela Therian when we come right back. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. 
The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity, but being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Markets with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Economy and the Markets, clear thoughts in a complex world. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And this is Cheryl Esposito with Leading Conversations. This morning we're speaking with Angelus Arian. Angelus, before we went to break, you were talking about corporate America, and we were um, looking at how the shift is occurring and the focus on triple bottom line. And um, so what about what needs to happen with leadership then? You know, leadership has um, for a long time was command and control and then went to more of an inclusive, you know, let's get people's opinions and see what's going on. And the most important piece ultimately was the price of the stock or the shareholders um, or the profitability of the company. Um, what, what shift do you see, if any, happening in the role of leadership in these organizations? Well, I think the uh, interesting thing about leadership, there's now kind of the the buzzword of shared leadership or uh, there's the buzz, if it's not shared leadership, it's leadership that fosters collaboration and cooperation rather than uh, uh, and human development and empowerment and, uh, and, uh, but regardless of uh, 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 the only effective uh, uh, leadership, uh, uh, if I'm called to leadership, is that uh, I have to let go of 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 two very um, uh, primary things in order to be effective leader, and one is a high need for acceptance and approval. I have to let, uh, make sure that uh, that <clears throat> somehow I'm not depending on external situations for those high needs for acceptance and approval because I won't be an effective leader huh. uh, if I, ha- I am driven by high needs for acceptance and approval. Right. I won't be an effective leader. And uh, the other is that uh, if I have difficulty delegating or uh, making clear requests or uh, around specifically who, specifically how, specifically when, uh, I won't be effective as well or I know how to ask for help. So I need to be a good delegator. I need to be able to ask uh, for help and to make clear requests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And regardless of what I'm facing. Right, right. Regardless so, whether we're in a collaborative model or whether we're in a hierarchical model or where... Is really going to be 
uh, in their integrity or they're not. And one of the real marks right. of integrity is the ability to own mistakes, learn from mistakes, and uh, and not to be afraid of mistakes. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, that's a real mark. Uh, right. And to have a commitment and a course correction where people say, oh, yeah, that the high trust level is there. Right, right. Do you think that the culture um, and the expectations that people have of their organizations and leaders these days, are, are people more willing to let their leaders acknowledge their mistakes, make mistakes, not crucify them. We haven't been very um, um, merciful of our leaders. No, and not until we can own our own authority and our own leadership will we be merciful of others in those positions as long as I'm... Well, talk about that a little bit, about owning our own leadership. Well, until I can trust my own leadership, and my own authority and my own gifts and talents and also know the places, honestly, where, uh, you know, I have development work to do. Uh, and if I'm not, uh, if I don't have strengths in certain areas that I really hire well uh, so that those, those uh, I have those people in place that... Uh, uh, can execute where I can't execute as effectively. That's my responsibility as a leader, to know where my shortcomings are, uh, not to pretend that I don't have them, to hire really well where my shortcomings are. And uh, uh, so then I, that's owning my own authority. As, oh, yeah. This is what I do well. This is uh, what I'm not adept at. And this is what I really choose not to be doing. Uh, and so I wonder, um, you know, when um, people are hiring for leadership roles and boards are looking at um, replacing CEOs, um, it seems to me, people have said to me for years that the, the integrity um, piece is more of a gut check. They can, they can tell by being in front of somebody yeah. um, about their level of integrity. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, can, should we rely on that? Should we go beyond that? I mean, what can really, how can well, we really assess that? Well, I think it's interesting in the interview process is that it's it's very interesting to watch who in the interview process is secure or comes in insecure or uh, uh, how they feel the questions, where they're honest or where they have a good sense of humor or, you know, or where they take it deadly, deadly seriously. All of that comes up in the interview right, process. Right, right, uh, And especially if you have a, an excellent interview process, you're going to have, you're going to see many faces uh, of the person and how they can handle new or unfamiliar situations. Right, right, right. It's almost like we should we should create uh, we should stage little um, interruptions or things. Yeah, you know, yeah. How do you well, handle the surprises? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it's just interesting to see. You know, uh, do we have uh, 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 you know phases and stages of the interview process? Uh, we do usually. We have initial interviews, and then the second mm-hmm. interviews, and the final interviews, and and uh, so there are multiple criterias that go along there. Uh, sure, uh, but we see a lot, right? And, and so that requires a very high level of awareness on the part of the interviewer, but also on the per- part of the person who's being interviewed. Yeah. Because, you know, if if someone is really going into an interview um, in their full power, they're also assessing, is this a good fit for me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And so developing self-awareness... Proactive. 
Right. You know, developing self-awareness is key. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about that these days and how we do that. How, how do we develop self-awareness? And I know that you have um, some specific ways that you teach people around this. And um, I'd like us to talk about that a little bit. And actually, what I'd like us to do is take a break and then come back and talk about that. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. great. We'll be right back after this message. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking to Angela Arian, author of Second Half of Life and The Fourfold Way, anthropologist and educator throughout the world. So, Angela, before we went to break, we started talking about developing self-awareness. I know you have some specific ways that you help people develop that. Can you talk about that? Oh, I have a, a Fourfold Way program that really works with my book on the um uh, four universal archetypes uh, that we share cross-culturally, the way of the warrior, which is really the way of leadership. A uh, le- uh, warrior is an old-fashioned term for leadership, and then the way of the healer, because all cultures of the world have healing or medical models, and uh, the way of the teacher, all cultures of the world have an educational model or a way to trans values and the way of the visionary all cultures of the world uh, have the creative arts, the performing arts, sports, uh, ways of manifesting our life purpose and our life dream. Uh, The road of manifestation is the way of the visionary combined with leadership and the healer and the teacher. Hmm. And um, basically... um, uh, among traditional peoples of the world, they say the mark of a healthy person is one where all four, they have the ability to access all four. And I think it's so interesting that in the way of the warrior, the way of the leader is that uh, uh, leaders do impart values and um important information and knowledge, uh, uh, which is the way of the teacher. And ultimately, a good healer knows uh, and takes care of the well-being of the organization and its human resources, which is the way of the healer. And uh, the way of the visionary is that every leader really is into manifesting a vision for their organization and their mission um, and is highly adept in creative problem solving. Can it, so it sounds like that one individual can actually embody each of these archetypes. Is that true? Yes, and then some of us are 
you know, more gifted in one archetype than the other. Many of us may have spent a lot of time teaching or healing. Others may have spent more time with the warrior leader and the visionary or uh, the warrior leader and the teacher or the warrior leader and the and the healer. Um, you know, I like to think about... Um, uh, Martin Luther King is a warrior visionary uh, mm. combination, or Mother Teresa is a as a warrior healer uh, com- mm. combination, or uh, much like Nelson Mandela, you know, was really a, a warrior leader wisdom combination or teacher combination mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. really assist the whole apartheid movement. Uh, and truth and reconciliation that took right. a strong warrior leadership, but wisdom, you know, the teacher. So it would serve leaders well to look at these archetypes, determine what their real strengths are, and then surround themselves with people who could complement that. Right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been... Uh, Really wonderful to see how uh, uh, different teachers, uh, you know, educators have have taken the fourfold way and uh, developed all the other archetypes around the, you know, because it is a leadership skill. Or to see where, uh, you know, corporations or business have taken that, or where the medical has taken that as well because I've done a lot of seed planning in the corporate and the medical and the academic uh, mm-hmm. with these archetypes. And, and, and they're universal and, and all people can relate with them and say, oh, this is, you know, where I'm really well developed. This is where I have work to do. And that increases our awareness. But when you see it, you know, all four, you know, uh, working, uh, in a in a person, you have high effective leadership there. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a unique way to look at it. We typically look at um, leadership style in terms of behaviors. Um, oh, and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, and this this seems different to me. Yeah. So it's just one so, of many ways, but I think leaders, uh, in increasing their awareness, uh, is that I think that once a season, leaders should put themselves in a learning crucible because if I uh, can still be a learner, um, then I will be an effective leader. But when a leader becomes over-identified with their expertise and stops learning, uh, then my leadership uh, quotient is also going to drop if I become too over-identified with my expertise and stop uh-huh. learning. Do you have an example of that? Um, well, I, I, I think it's so so interesting uh, to uh, watch uh, a leader who is over-identified with their expertise has a hard time retiring. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, they don't, they've lost their edge of learning. Mm-hmm. And wherever I've lost my le- edge of learning, I've lost my connection to curiosity or exploration or discovery, which always puts me in a crucible of learning. Uh, but in expertise, I'm repeating over and over again what I know in multiple diverse situations and become, uh, and there's a difference between expertise and mastery because mastery is always wanting to learn more about the craft and to refine the craft, whereas expertise is more of a repetition model that uh, a high successful repetition model that can uh, be formulated in many different markets, but is still a repetition model oh, based on expertise rather than right. real mastery, which right. uh, is always refining learning through learning, 
curious about that. It says that. a lot about our culture because we have come to value experts so much. Yeah, it's over very the years. interesting. And I value experts, and at the same time, uh, uh, is that uh, somebody who is an expert who is also a master. You know, because mastery is about, you know, I've, I have this body of experience, but I'm still learning and refining and exploring and growing yeah. and, yeah. uh, and I'm not just delivering the same old, same old. Right, right. And what a model for others to be inspired to continue yeah. to develop themselves. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, that's part of how you were speaking earlier about how we own our own authority. Um, it seems like that would be supported in the mastery model. Oh, totally. Totally. is that I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, a, a true master is, is always wanting to say, oh, I really appreciate that person's leadership style. Oh, wow, I could use that. You know, I'm not looking externally at the leaders critically. I'm looking at what I could adapt and take on that would even make me more effective. That shows me I'm comfortable in my own authority because I'm looking differently. Looking differently, yeah. yeah. And we all we have a responsibility to to stay curious, and you have definitely piqued a lot of people's curiosity throughout <laughs> your career um, in terms of learning more and and looking at the different, looking at the world in a different way, and taking responsibility for our part in the world and and how how it plays out. We're coming to an end of our show today already, and. Um, um, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you here. for making this so easy and so effortless. You're very good at what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. And I want to make sure people know how to um, learn more about you and your work. What's your website? www.angelasarian.com. Perfect. That's Angelus, A-N-G-E-L-E-S, Arian, A-R-R-I-E-N.com. Angelus, we always enjoy having you here on the week conversation yeah. and look forward to having you back again. Oh, well, thank you very much. All Thanks the best. Great work. Oh, thank you. And uh, remember, everyone, to think big because the world should be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Zeno. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week.